Welcome to the Matrix Minute Podcast, where we discuss the first film one minute at a time, because the Matrix is... I was going to say it again. Matrix is great. I love this Matrix film. I am Phil, and Trinity's costumes were made out of cheap PVC because of the budget. Hello, I'm Jake. Hello. 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 Hello, Jacob. I'm Tim, and this movie was shot in Australia because it is also cheap and budget. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Australians everywhere. Yeah. It's the new, you know, they're criminals anymore. Now it's Atlanta. They shoot everything in Atlanta. It used to be. Really? Every single yeah. thing in America is now shot in Atlanta. It used what? to be the Canadian town. What was it called? Vancouver. Vancouver. But then the Vancouver. Chinese took it over. And now it's Atlanta. The housing, all the, all the MCU houses. movies are shot in Atlanta. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's just all a the, all wandering the circus. Wow. Anyway, welcome to Minute 17. Woo! And this is what happens in Minute 17. Neo's not having a good day, but still attempts to make it to the scaffold, holding on to dear life on the edge of the building. A wind blusters by, and the legendary Nokia cell phone flies out of his hand. We hardly knew ye. He can't do it. The agents escort him out of the building, as we see Trinity observe this from her side mirror of the motorcycle, just two cars away from the agents. Smith turns to her, and Trinity rides away. The minute ends as the camera moves into one of the many security screens, with Neo in another cubic container with a desk as the agents enter. <laughs> I'm not going to finish the sentence. <laughs> as the agents enter. <laughs> dot, dot, That's dot. It. Okay, so. Old. Awesome. Um, this is minute 17. So let's talk about the first thing that you listen to in this minute, and that is Don Davis's music, which makes a great presence in the scene. Uh, the Matrix reflections motif happens, you know, when the phone falls down. Do you want to talk about Don Davis? Because I got lots to talk about Don Davis. I love Don Davis. Don Davis, he's an awesome composer, really underrated composer. He was born in Anaheim, California in 1957. February Ooh, 4th. I know a factoid about Don Davis. February 4th. So that's the best month, obviously. Oh, he's in our month. He's in our month. Nice. The factoid is that Don Davis did not come from a musical family. That's right. That is amazing. What does that mean? I'm confused. Well, because usually parents, his cousins, yeah. his brothers—they weren't musical. Yeah, none oh, of them really? did it. And a lot so of times, just, musicians tend to. Is that not? Is that that's rare? Oh, well, I don't know, but I've always kind of noticed that a lot of times when you hear musicians, they there's some musical influence from yeah, like relatives, from relatives or, or something. Whatever. Ah, that's interesting. Um, he won two Emmy awards. Uh, the one was for the 1987 Beauty and the Beast, which is the one with Ron Perlman and uh, uh, Linda Broadway? Hamilton. Oh, Play? no, no, no. The Ron Perlman, Linda Hamilton. Oh, wait, TV the show. He used to be oh, TV show. Yeah, <laughs> I went through three. <laughs> that's how you. That's how he won an Emmy because it was a TV show. Um, 1995 Sequest DSV, which is not a TV show I watched, but I know that Roy Scheider was in it. Um, also, for Broadcast Music Incorporated. Film Music Awards, which is abbreviated to BMI, BMI Film Music Awards, and so he worked mostly in television in his early career, and also now as well. He's working on television because we're having a resurgence of television again. Um, so before that, he was a trumpet player, and he loved playing big band and jazz, which is also the same with John Williams, uh, who used to be a jazz pianist before uh, doing big major compositions. 
for orchestra. So it's like weird how these things come from jazz. Like these people wanted to yeah. big band and jazz and stuff like that. He's really diligent. You know, he studied and practiced orchestration and he put a lot of hard work to get his scores to sound really precise and complex, which is one of the main things that he kind of emphasizes every time. He says, you know, if you want everything to be clearly read by the orchestra so they can, you know, get their beats in correct. You can't be very sloppy. You gotta be, you gotta be diligent about these things. Especially with the music he wrote for this movie, which is very yeah. sort of 20th century modern kind of experimental. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. here's a mathematical equation. <laughs> yeah. Or an uh, interesting uh, idea. Let's make music out of out of that theme instead of like, you know, like a, like a melody or like or Like Hans, Hansi. Hansi. Well, what I love about the music personally is that um, I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, but at least to me, it feels unconventional in the sense that... Um, you know, they aren't cues. They aren't typical Hollywood cues. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, it's it's very inspired Even, by, yeah. you know, I I don't know the names, but uh, I'm sure our niece Tabitha would give us some great names of, of these yes, these, these great right. composers that she gave me to listen to, which is just like, oh, it's like a 20 minute orchestra piece that's like, mm, I wonder if I combine this, whatever, going down and this going up and for like 20 minutes, it's just like these crazy mm-hmm. sounds. It's just pretty awesome. I like that stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Um, he worked as a conductor. So Don Davis also worked as a conductor and orchestrator for, you know, the, for the late Michael Kamen, who we all know who did wonderful scores like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Iron Giant, Adventures of Baron Munchausen. He worked a lot with uh, Terry Gilliam on some of the stuff, but he died in mm-hmm. 2003. Um, so that's unfortunate. Uh, Kamen. Yes. Yeah. Um, big, he also did Last Action Hero and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, Die Hard. Uh, but he also worked for wow. Randy Newman to be an orchestrator for stuff like Bugs Life and Toy Story. Don Davis did. Alan Silvestri and, and James Horner as well. So he works with all those people. And then he finally got to meet the Wachowskis and did music for Bound. Um, did he now? And then later, of course, The Matrix, which, you know, turned into the Matrix trilogy later on. And then he got to do that huge, what you call the magnum opus that he's mm-hmm. mostly known for. Um um, so the music itself is hugely atonal and uh, orchestral, but it's not traditional. You see, that's a difference in that. And also, there's a lot of polytonal segments as well going on mm. into, into multiple the notes score. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very synchronized, and uh, it makes for a very dense texture, which is, you know, it's perfect of for how it reflects the codes in the matrix system. You know, it's like lots of things going on at once. So I think that that really made it really fun as well. And interestingly, there are no clear, there is no clear theme in terms of well, a, um, there's a the reflection m- theme. Melodic um, theme. There is no clear yeah. melodic theme. If you're it's similar interest- to like the Dark Knight. If you're interested in more sort of this quasi avant-garde, you know, 20th century stuff, look up, I'm going to slaughter this guy's names, Georgi Ligeti. It's a Hungarian composer. He did um, some stuff for Stanley Kubrick. Uh, you know that sort of the choir in the Space Odyssey 2001 going oh mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 that kind of stuff you know it's very it's very sort of uh, like the other guy thematic. it's it's basically yeah you know micro polyphonia that kind of stuff where where it's in polyrhythms where it's, there's an idea it's very based on a concept based there we stuff, go concept based which yeah, is yeah. which is lovely for the Matrix it fits so well 
I think so too. I think it would be really weird if there was a classical like. You know, I think it would be so. But it's very classical. It's, it's like not many synths were used. You know what I mean? It I mean, a very classical orchestral. sort of composing. You know, like having a, a neo theme. Yeah. Uh, da 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 da. <laughs> well, you know, they there is a really pronounced love theme though. That is true. That yeah, is true. I guess yeah. But I think we're just we're meaning like you know not in the classic structure wise yeah Christoph yes. Penderecki that's the guy I was trying to mention like I listened to his stuff so often like back in the day like it was I love that that's what, exactly what Tim's talking about it's that uh, like that that just weird sounds and noises and he did he did he didn't do stuff for um uh Kubrick specifically but he did music from his work which is uh and primarily in the shining mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, and, that's uh, got some good stuff there. Yeah, so Christoph Penderecki, that's the guy. I've been listening to that guy for a, for a while. It's awesome. Not anymore, though, because I got scared. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is pretty freaky. <laughs> it's freaky stuff. Um, anything else I wanted to say about this is that uh, there's also big influences of his music that came from John Adams's orchestral piece called Short Ride in the Fast Machine, which is from 1986, and if you listen to it, it's just five minutes long, and you can really hear the that kind of um, repetition with the horns blaring and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. And um, there's also this is what I learned just today: aleatoric methods as well. Mm, what's that? Which is uh, freestyling with the instruments. You know, like you have a flurry of like um, different. It's written, but the um, player is able to uh, interpret like mm. do it in their own pace and just mm-hmm. and, and when they come together it just sounds like a flurry of different uh, instruments going, going around we did together. the choir a long time ago in high school yeah 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 so that's aleatoric uh, methods if um, you, like uh it's actually like if you sort of try to interpret or try to copy this style of the the music it's actually pretty fun when i was doing the little theme for that's stupid. right Thing, Secret uh, information. Okay, what's Tim this one? Oh, that's right. Intro and outro music. He did. It's all original music, it folks. Is. It's it's Homegrown. fun. It's like I could be going <laughs> for years doing that kind of stuff. Just I love the violins, by the way. And that, well, for that, a special when, episode, when, Tim, you should make an extended yeah, ending. Yeah, when our when just our episode going. ends, I love the violins. That's really good. Very similar to this. Yeah. Um. I think one of the. Wait, I have the keyboard right here. Hold on. Just let me, this is a special thing. Wait, wait, wait. Just, just, just wait. Listen, this is, this is, this is the <laughs> Fill in the background. Keyboarding it up. Yes. There you go. That's cool, isn't it? That's pretty nice. It's, it's pretty cool. That's the matrix. I like that a lot. It's a nice, nice little chord progression right there. Join us with the tones of Philip. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, that that was that. That's it. Okay, that's that's Don Davis. Wonderful. I think Matrix Reload and Revolutions are better than the first score, in my opinion. Really, I think uh, just like many other film scores, like when you have the same composer and then they do sequel music, they get better as the movie doesn't get better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like for Pirates of the Caribbean, this is a, a famous example because they had three weeks for Pirates of the Caribbean 1 to actually write a score and Hans Zimmer was actually not even able to do it. So he did all the themes, uh, but he wasn't able to get credited. So he just let oh. um, Klaus Badert get, oh, no. get credit. Oh man, he has so many co-workers at... Uh, it used to be called Remote Control... No, it used to be called Media Ventures. Now it's called Remote Control Productions where they have a lot of 
uh, assistants doing stuff. A lot of inter- well. interns that uh, yeah. yeah and so Klaus, yeah, so Klaus Badel and Jimmy yeah. and Ricky. So and for Alisa, three weeks, they Alisa. they just hammered out the score for Pirates One and them all. I'm not a fan of that first score for Pirates. He's good at guitar. Very good. I'm sorry. And uh, but for Pirates Two and Three, especially Three, um, it's really I really enjoy that one. But the the movies gradually kind of sank down. But this yeah. isn't about Pirates of the Caribbean. We haven't to... talked about a single damn thing in this movie. But I, I just yet, wanted to I just wanted to mention how the like how the Matrix two and three has a much more epic score um than the first one, but the it's first more one developed, does have, I think, the second and third. Yeah. And the motifs, the themes. All I wanna say No, that's not part of the score. In this minute, in the background, there is a sign for amazing book bargains. That's right. Come and, on, guys. And there's lots of people with green suits. Amazing book bargains. Suits, men. So, okay, so uh, yeah. there's a shot of a Nokia phone. Oh, you want to? I have a story about that, my friend. Okay. Is this, is, I remember it looking a lot worse. I remember it always looking great. That's a, that's one of my favorite shots. Yeah, and with the, the with the Matrix music, dun, dun, it's so dun, good dun. because they could have gone for the classic, just oh, it falls. But no, look. Well, okay, I think I know what that. it is. It's the it's the Bulletin time phone. time like swishing, you know. Oh yeah, the one where it's like it's a little bit slow and then it goes faster. That's yeah, 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 yeah. That's, it's 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 bullet time again. This is yeah, an well, alternative the, version of bullet time. It's the, the under crank over crank. Yeah, I don't like that. I hate when they do that in like three like hundred online vid. No, it's like when they when they. Like when speed goes from slow to fast, and they go when they, when they look maybe even go a little bit backwards, like especially when they do like a promo video or a music video. Oh, I hate that so really? much. Really, that's like the word that's like takes any kind of editing that takes me out of no the, the, the 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 thing. It's like I just can't stand that stuff. <laughs> you know, in Lord yeah, of the Rings things... one, when they use the slow shutter speed. For oh, that the... was bad. Oh, that, that was, was bad. bad. Let's not. I just talk I about hate that. techniques that was PJ like that. Slow it's like, motion. Oh, for whoa. me, it has to be true slow motion or no slow motion. That's the rule. Yeah, but no, but like it, you know, when they crank the shutter speed for um, gladiator know, the, the, fight scenes. No, not gladiator. The, the Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I don't on, like on, the, on the landing. That no, but works, that works well there. That works. But that weird slow motion. <laughs> Different opinions. No, I'm going to tell you why it works because because I think one of the main reasons is they were trying to make a subtle effect on World War II footage when people were actually filming it out yeah. on the, the front lines and there was actually cameramen that were filming this thing. They always had the shutter really high. Oh. And um, yeah, and, and they were trying to get that, that feeling of... And it's ugly, you know? That's, that's what it makes Saving yeah. Private. We're talking okay, about well, Saving Private. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> what I wanted to say was I, w- I just wanted to mention that I didn't mean to say I didn't like it. I meant to say I don't like it when it's overused. Yeah, yeah. No one likes it when it's overused. That's what yeah. I meant. Oh, just so I want to like, tell you the story <laughs> about the phone. Tell us the story Give about the story phone. about the phone. It was a whole day of location shooting wasted. Really? Because they were trying to film it on, you know, in camera. They were trying to throw the phone <laughs> oh, in camera. They checking and the phones, phones down. <laughs> I bet. I bet that evening and the next day's news would be like three people injured. <laughs> they got nothing. Did you know Eight, they cost phones. about thousand thousand dollars for that phone? <gasps> Not just thousand dollars. They didn't for have the phone. budget. Everybody's getting paid for that whole day, and that was nothing probably happened. Thirty thousand dollars in phone. So guess what they did later? It's obviously blue screened in, and then they got the shot well. But uh, otherwise, no. Also, Keanu Reeves. That was the story, on by the way. There. That was it. Yeah, that was my oh, story. Okay. But also, Keanu Reeves hanging out there. Uh, that's him for real. 
doing it for real. Oh, on the building. Yeah, no. Well, he has some probably harness, right? Holding his pants. Doesn't no, look like, like it, but uh, in any case, I mean, he did that instead of some stunt guys. So that's kind of cool. It shows the dedication of Keanu had in, for this movie and most of the things that he's done. Also, speaking of which, how does he act so well in this film? Yes, let's talk about that, please. I would <laughs> love to talk about that. Because I, I was watching just a little bit of this movie called Johnny Mnemonic. 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 I don't know how to pronounce it. That's a hard one. And I think Keanu just like had a renaissance, a personal renaissance yeah. <laughs> when he filmed The Matrix. Because Mnemonic was so... But then again, I can't say I've seen... Mnemonic. I need to get out of the computer! I need to get, I need to get online! <laughs> I... Whoa! Well, look... I have mean, you seen any movies he, with Keanu Reeves before The Matrix? I've seen two kinds of movies where his acting works. One is this Matrix slash John Wick slash I'm wait, an action wait, 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 hero the, the, with the one. John Wick is post-Matrix. I'm talking about pre-Matrix. Well, pre-Matrix stuff, like even let's say Speed, he does the same serious face. But would you say you his know, acting like, speed is just as good as Neo? It, it is the same thing, pretty much. Okay, well I haven't Maybe seen Maybe Neo's I a bit more... Enough. And then you have the class, you know, classic like uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, which is overreacting, but in the sense it makes sense. Oh, sorry, yeah, that, that that sentence doesn't make sense. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, in, 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 in the, the context, movie, in the situation, yeah, the context. You know, it's a comedy, and everyone's overreacting. And yeah. it's like, oh, 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 you know, it's fine. But I think having uh, you, this is an action movie, and he does pretty much deliver sort of action lines. And he does it with sort of his character. If kind of a mixture is good, I don't think he's he's good at sort of conventional actor stuff. Like if you had Keanu Reeves break down and cry because a tragedy, I don't think that that would work. <laughs> I just it, like, got the impression sort of conventional actors are really good at that stuff, you know. Yeah, right. I just got the impression that uh, Keanu took extra effort. With this role. That was my I impression. Think so. I think everybody did when they read the script and they understood it because it was so, you could feel it was a passion project. Because from what oh, I've seen, I just, yeah. I just feel like he's trying hard to to do something different uh, from his, I mean, clearly, like you said, he's doing sort of an action role, but I don't think he's treating it like a typical action role, like speed or something. I think he's trying to do no, something I'm, else. Definitely, but I'm just saying the, the nature of it. it, it there's yeah. no... You know, there's a few scenes when he's shocked or he's a little bit smirky or he's being, you know, funny. But most of the time, it is a general sort of like an emotion that, that stays out through, which is kind of mm-hmm. fits him. And I think his the way I see Keanu Reeves anyway. Yeah. So I think he gets away a lot with going like instead of speaking normally, he goes, yeah, where he speaks from like the throat. Yeah. Like, whoa, that's how he kind of gets away with all the serious lines. Right. OK, what do you want to say? Me? Yeah, didn't you oh me. Okay, well, uh, let's get at, let's get down from this building already. Okay, so yep. he so this is the refusal of the call. Well, Neo has having trouble, and he can't he can't, he can't do it. Go across that sort of um, divider, I guess. Yes, he's grabbing that the green divider. screenshot is a lot greener than the rest. That's why it's freaking me out. Uh, which one? The the phone falling, <laughs> the blue the blue screen one. The it phone looks will never so a lot greener than the other shots. That's why it's. <gasps> uh, I see. Right. I see. Hmm. Okay. Well, Neo can't do it. He's afraid. He still his mind is beyond. Like yeah, pooped his pants. Yeah, he's just. He thought he escaped the cave, but he's still inside the cave. Ah, yes. Indeed, indeed, and uh, the shadows that are being cast on the cave, he believes, is still reality. Now, 
the agents grab him. They take him. They take him downstairs. Um, Trinity has a cool motorcycle, which Trinity is a, has and a, cool glasses and a cool, cool glasses and that shot. It's a very her. 90s thing. So Trinity's observing this. So she's been down there. Um, pref- I think she's this whole time. Shopping. Warming shopping the extra Bargain seat. books. Right. I got it. And um, <laughs> so the significance of her mirror being in slow motion in the reflection and as it and the real time is real time <gasps> in the background. Yes. I love that. That so, is really cool. Because like most I think the Matrix's theme is like about reflections and duality. And two worlds, the real world and the fake choice. I did not two notice options. that, by the Me way. Either. So, really? Wait, 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 Tim, you didn't notice the visual or the theme? I didn't notice the visual of having everything in real time no? and, then the, and then the slow I motion. Remember no, we, we, I, I, I recognized the slow ago. motion in the, in the mirror, but I didn't re- realize Yeah, yeah, yeah. The background's yeah. real time. Yeah. I don't know what that's all about, but um, I'm just... But that's a good interpretation. Guessing though. that, you know... I wonder if it's a mistake. <laughs> another thing about no. real worlds and, and no. fake worlds. And when you make a choice, you have to pick between one and the other yeah. and later on in the Matrix Reload and Revolution to be honest it's Smith and Neo are two sides of the same two doors as well uh, my thinking was always simply that the Wachowskis wanted to do cool comic book stuff and, and that so too that was, that was basically why they did <laughs> the oh, two yeah, different times shot, yeah. yeah that's a comic book thing for sure because when you get to do cool stuff like that in movies people yeah. rarely do stuff like that that's like cool now, that Trinity, is really nice now Trinity sees that Agent Smith spotted her why don't they go and chase her down now what they're, they not aware. they're not aware. Look, to, if they can't get Neo from the cubicle... But look, he's looking at her right there. How in the world is he going to pay attention and go, oh, woman in leather. That There's that other one. Yeah, let's get her. He's no, too it's just a motorcycle person. Yeah. Look, she's turned it because she got her back. Oh, yeah, he looks. But, um, yeah, they does look. I don't think but, he cares. Uh, that he PVC anywhere. He's too busy. You have to go interrogate. Fine. He needs the codes. The okay, codes. okay. So Neo's <laughs> taken. He's brought into some kind of security office. And then we see the multiple monitors. Oh, yes, it's time. It is time it to is discuss time. this. Can I go with my theory? Yes. yes. Okay, so, so, yes, so here's can. the thing, right? Now these monitors we see here, they make an appearance later on in the sequels. They, they are very important and as they're part of the story. But my theory is, as everyone said when the sequels came out, like, oh, look at this, little, little trail, little breadcrumb like, trail breadcrumbs we, we see things i think it's just they use this as a visual and then they used it in the second movie as that like, was oh, my we did that? theory as well yours too i will agree. I I, I'll, I'll agree with you guys i don't think the foresight was that specific nope. Cause, cause, impossible yeah. because it makes sense it's an interrogation scene and then they were like remember we could use that that's my theory as well yeah so it's basically yeah. just a george a cool orwell transition. just a george orwell 1984 sort of Something like that, a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it is really strange that there would be a security that has these monitors just like that, uh, you know, hanging next to each other. So there's a possibility they had this image vision for the future, and they used it here. But on the other hand, it also there's quite a few things in this first movie which are just strictly visual, not practical. I mean, yeah. So I you never try know. To keep room for the possibility that these are just aesthetic choices that are cool. Yeah. Yeah, what was the know, really. what's the official statement on this? Well, the official statement is, is now um, um, the Wachowski siblings don't talk about it. Well, they don't talk about anything, <laughs> but I think that's a no, good thing. Remember done. when you were you were listening to Lana and that the philosopher guys? Um, yeah, it was like, like an interview, interview with yeah. her. Yes. 
And she just said, you interpret it the way you want to. Exactly. We're not going to tell you the truth. I mean, we tell some people what we think it is, well, but we don't she, want other people to... she was to... alluding to, like, if they give the official answer, there won't be any more... People won't yeah. have as much impetus to think about their own Yeah, And I think, it, interpretations. you know, what, what I've learned, you know, watching there is no official movie, answer as, as, as I grew, grew up, yeah, I don't think there is an official, you know point of it like when i was a kid i would i would think like there is a secret one singular thought or uh you know uh, whatever lesson in in the matrix yeah. and you, you have to learn it you know you get smarter and you understand it but the, the truth is there's a lot of stuff they liked and all that stuff they liked they put in this movie and then yep whatever is the outcome or or the theme it that's is what, what i actually is. love what was made the from the movie is that there's so many different um like you said, influences. And I think that it's not even either or. You can actually combine them. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the cool thing about it. It's like, this is a sort yeah. of film that like, there's elements of this, there's elements of that. That's what I was watching a recent interview with someone who, you know, is a prof- professional in editing and uh, someone who is researching that sort of practice in film editing and video editing and how you put pictures together and how mm-hmm. it gets interpreted by humans. And my favorite quote was that um, the film... Uh, will have its own uh, sort of consciousness and it will be smarter than you in the end because people will draw from it a lot of more, you know, more symbolic things than you ever even thought mm-hmm. personally oh, yeah, yeah. that you would uh, even put in. This is a prime I example. that's great. Yeah, that. yeah and, and, and like people are like, oh, that's cheating. You should have, you know, have a thought behind it. But to be honest, in the creative process, a lot of times you just don't have control or you know, an end goal with stuff. And it, just the, the nature of creation is what drives you. Exactly. And then in the end, you can be like, you know what, here it is what it is and have fun with it. Yep. And you also think of stuff on, on the fly as well. Yep, definitely. So. <laughs> Things already spar you. So I, I definitely, yeah, I wouldn't agree with like the idea that, especially if you're a director, that like you know every, the whole movie in and out in the sense like you can explain every single thing. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So some people, some directors are driven by For that. Sure. But some directors actually that's what they like about making movies that that's the process they don't have anything in their head they go on set that day Mm -hmm. they talk to people they look at the script and whatever you know happens happens and that's the movie and that's what the you know the actual consciousness of the movie is (laughs) all right enough philosophy (laughs) yes look at the chair it has a butt print in it because agent smith he has emotions now as well, and he likes to feel. He likes comfort, but to be held Indeed. by metal. We're gonna mm. come <laughs> foods. We're gonna talk about that in the next minute. So, hey, oh, guys, I'm no, Phil. Are you ready for this? No. What? Are you ready for more theories? What? Yes. Do give you us. see this? Do you see this room? You see the doors? You remember Matrix Three? There's the keymaker in the hallway with the doors that pull. Oh, the back doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. This is one of them. Look. Okay. Oh. Yes, it is. A keymaker. I forgot about <laughs> yes, that it shit. It's the hallway. It's the hallway from the keymaker scene. Cool. Oh, Lord. And they, they, oh. It's the industrial highway. Okay, agents <laughs> come in. Also, <laughs> who wants a metal <laughs> table <laughs> like that? Do you want a metal table like that? I don't. That? That's like for autopsies. So Imagine, imagine winter. <laughs> oh, the shocks. Okay, um, oh. I'm Phil. Thank you for listening. You can reach me on Twitter at Phil Dragish. Please go to our Facebook because I post stuff on there and I think it's great. And, you know, let's, let's, let's have someone say something because I love we it. We'd love some feedback. <laughs> and and we love good, you, good reviews on you iTunes. You can't email us currently because their email is broken. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, just, there's some troubles with the email. Uh, so please, you know, 
The Matrix has us on the email. Hold on a little bit. We'll get that fixed eventually. And then you can email yeah. us. If you um, don't want to get spam email, oh, yeah. the message wasn't delivered, uh, don't send us email, don't email yet. Us we'll, yet. We'll let you know. We'll let you know and we'll tell you when it's ready. Okay. Join Facebook and we'll let you know when it's ready. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, you don't have to join Facebook. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Jake Drake. You can find me on Facebook at Timo Marinsky. On Facebook, interesting. Bye bye. Oh, shit. Uh, on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't look at no, Twitter. Too late, too late. Bye. Goodbye. No.